0: Hello and welcome to the Book of Leaves podcast. My name is Cara and I am your host. Hi guys, thank you all so much for joining me for episode 4 of Book of Leaves. Before I get into this episode where I'm going to be talking to Ronan O'Dalig who set up Thriftify, I just want to let anyone know this might be your first episode listening. This is basically a podcast where each episode I interview someone who is doing their bit for their planet in the pool of sustainability, basically. So I've interviewed... People. Episode 1 was of Vasco, who ran Cork Crafts. It was sustainability of cork in comparison to leather. I've talked to Avian McCann in Episode 2 about sustainable fashion, politics and just little zero waste tricks for around the house. Episode 3 last week was with, or two weeks ago, was with Padder Rice from Small Changes, this zero waste shop in Drumcondra. And this one will be, of course, with Ronan O'Dalig, who set up Thriftify, which is an online website that you can buy secondhand books or other items from charity shops all over Ireland. You can buy them online. If it's over 10 euro, you get free shipping. It's shipped in reused or compositable packaging and it's delivered to your door by courier and the money goes to charity, which is pretty amazing. So we'll get talking to him. But the whole idea of the podcast is basically each episode, we take a leaf from the person that we're talking to and we add it to our own book of sustainable living. So hence the name, Book of Leaves. And if this is your first episode, you are very welcome. And I would love if you went back and listened to the first three episodes as well. You've only got three to catch up on, you know, it's not too bad and for anyone new or old well you're not so old we're only episode four but I would love if you could please reshare retweet or add this to Instagram story regram whichever whatever medium you're listening to it on if you could add it to some of your social media that would be amazing listenership is growing nicely for each episode but it'd be great to spread it even further and of course there is no advertising like word of mouth. So if you could let a friend know that, I don't know, you're listening to this new podcast on sustainable living and, you know, you're learning so much or something. I don't know, even. Oh, and yeah, if you're on iTunes, please leave a review. We have one review so far. Thank you so much to that reviewer. It's a lovely review. So if you're on iTunes, please leave a review because that's how I think they work. You need to be like, super highly reviewed and rated and stuff before they start suggesting you to people and you're not easily found otherwise so yeah if you're on iTunes even if you're not listening to this on iTunes if you could sneak over just stick in like a few stars there and be like oh this is great that would be that would be great I would appreciate that thank you so much in advance But I guess let's get into this episode with Ronan. So as I briefly said, Ronan set up Thriftify. He is an entrepreneur. He also set up another company called Sedco. And Sedco is basically an initiative where local businesses and communities or anyone with an idea for a business to support their local community in a positive way You can go to Sedco and they will support you, give you tips. They give free consults and everything. And yeah, they're all about making Ireland a better place, which is brilliant, really. So I've linked all the details in the show notes. And Ronan will talk to you about his background and about what he does and how Thriftify works. I had no idea how he actually, how he managed to get or log all the books and charity shops, my mind was blown. So he explained that nicely. So that's really cool. I can't wait for you guys to hear that. And he also gave us a 20% discount code for Thriftify. So after this or during this episode, you can go on to Thriftify and use the code FALCHA20. FALCHA is Irish for welcome. So FALCHA is spelled with a capital F a-I-L-T-E 20 and stick that in the voucher code bar for 20% off, which is really cool. And full disclosure, I don't get paid or anything for giving this discount. Like I'm not getting a cut. I just want you guys to be able to get discounted books on a second-hand website and support charity, which I think is really cool. So I'll remind you of that discount code at the end as well. And if any of you want to support the podcast, I do have a Patreon account, patreon.com forward slash Book of Leaves. You can type in however much you would be able to donate a month, be it one or two or seven euro, whatever your magic number is, I would greatly appreciate it. Anything at all is taken to help keep the podcast afloat, pay for hosting and website and some secondhand equipment I'm still trying to find. And yeah, that is basically it. I won't keep you guys much longer. Thank you all so, so much for your support. Keep sharing. And yeah, here is Ronan O'Dalik. So much for coming all the way in from work across the road. Yeah, uh, all the
1: way. Huge distance to travel.
0: I feel like I should mention we are first cousins, but I don't really think that means a lot considering we're like one of 40, you know? Or
1: yeah, f- and we're in Ireland as well. Where exactly.
0: Everyone is kind of- Everyone's related, yeah. yeah. So it's not exactly nepotism going on here. You've set up something really cool, and I kind of really want to get into Thriftify go a good bit later, but. You were working earlier in your office and I guess before we get into the whole background of how Thriftify started and the other kind of projects you run, what kind of like things do you think maybe throughout your teens or whatever influenced you to to go into the business that you're in now?
1: Yeah, I think I've always really loved entrepreneurship and the idea of business and the idea of making money. Um, I remember when I was 10 or 11, there was a local artist in Clondalkin in Dublin, where I'm from, who was paid by the council. He was given a grant to make calendars. So whatever year it was, say it was like 2005 or whatever, he made beautiful like oil canvas paintings, 12 and one for each month and put them in these calendars and uh, i was at an event i was 10 or 11 and he was giving them away for free so i blagged like a box of 500 of these calendars and it was just in the run up to christmas and i just sold them door to door for it i started out at two euro and then one of my neighbors bought five and i was like hang on a minute so i put the price up to a five and then eventually the price was at a 10 or a calendar because everyone <laughs> wanted them so i made a fortune on these calendars and the artist took an absolute freaker like and when ballistic he found out because loads of people in Clondalkin ended up with calendars and he was like oh (laughs) where'd you get one of my calendars and they're like oh some kid came and sold us one for a tenner and he's like what i've been giving them away for free you're not supposed to be buying them so um from a young age i think i've always had like uh uh, just a, a love of kind of spotting ideas and making things happen but then at the same time like the area i'm from i'm from an area called Bonogue in Clendalkin, which would be kind of a working class community. And I would have grown up probably seeing friends from other communities have more opportunities maybe than people in working class communities. Like the levels of progression to education are a lot lower. You see people just with the not, not the same amount of opportunity. And it's kind of a, an injustice, a social injustice, I think, that we have in society. And I think I've, I'm more passionate about that actually than I am about entrepreneurship, than I am about business. Like I think what's way more important on business and entrepreneurship is social justice so being yeah. able to mix the two things I think is is what I really value
0: and so did you doing the leave cert then your final year exams in secondary school did you know what you wanted to do in God college no no.
1: No? <laughs> no I hadn't a clue like in college in secondary school I think in secondary school I was selling. Um, mobile phone accessories I was selling like uh, memory cards and mobile phone cases this is back in the day when like 16 megabyte memory cards were amazing yeah so I was selling them and I didn't really know I didn't like I didn't enjoy secondary school um, it was so restrictive and no freedom really no creative freedom yeah. but then when I went to college I kind of I knew like I went to an Irish language secondary school Killian, and I realised that I had an interest in business I had an interest in culture and I kind of I had a vague idea of the area I wanted to go into or even the community, I suppose, I wanted to be a part of. So I went and did um Gnogus Gaelge or business and Irish in DCU. And I was really, I think I just got really lucky with the course. I picked a great bunch of people, a great creative environment to try things. And that's where I learned about a lot of, like the idea of social business or the idea of starting a business, but actually having social impact as the main objective and not profit money, maximization yeah. or money. And I would have kind of tried around with a couple of different projects in college and DCU um, spent all of my time in clubs and societies and set up a, a, a big society in DCU which went on to be quite successful and it was all around the idea of fundraising and social projects so I kind of cut my teeth in college with the concept of social enterprise really. Mm,
0: that's cool I'm not acting surprised like some people listening to this might be like oh but you're related surely Carrie, you know all this <laughs> genuinely <laughs> no. do like yeah it's so it's so interesting like from there then was it with people in college that you kind of wanted to work with in the future did you have the people you wanted to work with or the idea that you wanted to do first
1: yeah more the idea like I think I had more the idea I had one or two mates who I definitely would have worked with but we just went on different paths like as people do in college I think it's probably the big regret I have as well is like I started what I'm doing on my own which is a major mistake. You should never start any business on no. your own. No, definitely not. It's the biggest killer, like, because if you can imagine trying to do something on your... Trying to do anything is hard enough, yeah. right? Especially when you're coming from a background of maybe you don't have a lot of money or a lot of finance to put into it, or you're doing it and you're trying to also survive at the same time. Like, that's hard yeah. enough.
0: Or your calendar business is shut down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: The council will come and shut your calendar business down. But, like what makes it so much more difficult is the fact that you're alone doing it so you don't have someone in the office to say oh jez today was a terrible day or someone to share your success with so like it's so important now that having haven't built the team you know the first Mm -hmm. year or so even the first month of having the team i was like holy crap this is making such a difference to never mind the business and and how we're growing but actually how i feel and how much, en- how much more enjoyable this is for everybody who's involved. So um, I would have had the idea in college and went with it straight after college and then found the people later, later on. Okay, yeah.
0: so fin- finishing college then, did you go straight into making your business then?
1: Yeah, well, I did a year in Unilever. Um, as part of my degree it was kind of a, a year long work placement Unilever which is like is one of
0: the most biggest companies big, I think, yeah yeah
1: it? yeah massive consumer goods company they own like Ben & Jerry's and Dove and all kinds of things that you'd never realise they own Yeah. and I thought I would love it Like I thought it would be great I thought it, it would be an amazing experience and high flying finance and products and really great people and it was the worst experience I've ever had in my life. Like, I just realized, like, I'm not cut out to be told to be somewhere at nine o'clock every day and finish at five and yeah. have no interest in the work I'm doing. Yeah. Like, literally no interest. Some of it was good, but generally it was, yeah, it was terrible. Absolutely terrible. And I, that was actually, that was the big kicker where I realized that was what made me serious about, doing my own thing because I was like okay this is these are the choices either I do my own thing I know it's going to be hard or I live this life over here which I really don't want to do so I'll I'll take the other option
0: yeah and what was your role in Unilever like what were you doing
1: I did two things I don't want to badmouth Unilever too much oh my god like there's probably people listening from Unilever hi everyone you're all really great but um, no I did two things I I started on their Tesco uh, account team so I was selling ice cream and other stuff into Tesco Mm-hmm. Um, so I learned a lot like about, I suppose, sales at that level and what it takes to get into the big retailers at that level, how they operate, how they function. Um, so I did six months on that team and then I moved across to their finance team where I worked with a really, really good guy, actually. At the time, he was the head of finance for Unilever in Ireland. Then he moved on to a big role, I think, the head of finance for their entire European operation. And I learned a huge amount from him. Loads of technical stuff around finance, which has definitely stood to me but again it was it was just an exile monkey kind of role really you know so I kind of yeah I mean I think the the thing about the corporates is there's a lot to learn if you're in the right place at the right time but it's kind of maybe five percent of the work you do or ten percent of the work you do and the rest is kind of stuff you've not really interested in
0: well at least it sounds like you got something from it anyway like you got to see how I don't know various parts of business work and yeah, stuff like and that. I learned
1: what I didn't want to do as well, yeah, which is exactly. also really important.
0: Exactly. Um. So then, did you go straight from that then into Sedco, or how did that kind of come about?
1: Yeah. So I had the idea coming out of college that I knew I was interested in social business, entrepreneurship, um, social enterprise, and what I realized was. I was, I had been to a lot of, Euro- I've, I've done a lot of traveling to other European countries and did a lot of traveling in college as well. And uh, I remember being in Copenhagen in, they have a big social innovation hub in Copenhagen, which is a co-op and is owned by the community. Um, and it's just an incredible working environment full of different social enterprises and co-ops and Were you on holidays and,
0: or traveling with like groups and societies? Yeah,
1: I was, tra- I was kind of doing a bit of independent travel. So at the time, like I would have... Been uh, in a couple of different networks, youth networks and stuff. Yeah. Um, and there's a great one called the Change Maker Exchange Network, okay. which is for young people who are under 30 interested in social impact and activism. Um, so I was in that network, network, and it was through that network which I'd really recommend to people. Um, but I got to do a lot of traveling through that, and I realized, like in all these other major European countries, there's this incredible hub of activity where you can go to a central location meet incredible people and get engaged in really cool social projects or get the support to set up your own one. And we still don't have anything like that in Dublin. Like there's different kind of ad hoc supports you can get, like pieces of the jigsaw, but there isn't really a major, large social innovation hub. And I suppose that's what SEDCO is about. And the first thing I I set up was trying to realise that. So set up an organisation that would basically incubate and start other social projects. And that was the first thing I did straight out of college, and the first project that we started was an event management project called Impact Events, mm-hmm. which is like an event management business. Um so we do commercial event management, private event management and and kind of large scale fundraisers across Dublin. And that went quite well actually, yeah. It's still going. And then what we what we've kind of done is use some of the, the revenues and profit from that to reinvest in other projects.
0: Okay. Oh, hey, very yeah, good. Yeah. So was impact then made a part of SEDCO?
1: Yeah. So the idea was like I had to be honest, I had all these ideas, like and I still do. I have a yeah. hundred ideas and it's kind of a it's kind of a burden almost when you have too many ideas because you want to do everything and you just can't. You just have to get focused. It's so hard. Yeah. But out of college I tried to do everything all at the same time, which mm. again I wouldn't recommend. So I did SEDCO, which was this kind of incubator and hub for social projects, and I did Impact Events, which was this event management business, because I had done run loads of events in college so I, that was the only thing I felt I could really do well but then out of that about two years ago the idea for Triftify came about okay and fundamentally the idea was like a lot of the time when we buy things we have a negative impact and I hate you as an Amazon but I love you as an Amazon because mm-hmm. I know it's cheap and I know I'm gonna get it within two days um but I hate the fact that they underpay their workers and I hate the fact that they're a global monopoly on e-commerce and I hate so many other things about them. So I, I had the con I had the idea of like what we really need to be able to do is buy things in the most sustainable, ethical way possible. Mm-hmm. And I had gone back to an idea I'd had in college, which was when I, I I actually bought an academic book that I needed for college for like two quid in a charity shop and I knew, because I knew it was worth 50, it was for sale for 50 quid or 60 quid on Amazon. It's like happy days. I really luckily stumbled across it in a charity shop. So I went back, revisited that idea that I'd had and slowly kind of started to feed the idea of what if instead of being having, you know, what if you were looking for something and you have just have to be lucky to find it in a charity shop, what if everything that was in charity shops was available online Mm. so that you could buy browse thousands of charity shops, millions of items on one central website and that was fundamentally the idea and that's kind of what we've built or what we're working towards now.
0: When I first saw it on your page on Facebook and stuff I was like that sounds like such a good idea but I couldn't think how in God's name do you know what every single charity shop like, because at the moment you're just doing books, am I right? You're not doing like clothes or anything yet? So
1: at the moment we're doing uh, books, DVDs, CDs, games, uh, anything with a barcode, basically. Okay. Yeah.
0: Right. And how like does the cataloging, like how do you find out what what charity shops and like what kind of charity shops are involved? Like how do you get it online? My mind yeah. is blown already. Yeah. Like.
1: So I mean, this is the, over the last probably year and a half, I've kind of really jumped into, I suppose, the world of digital commerce and podcasts and books and try to absorb as much information as I can around the world of online selling and valuation and technology and it's a really amazing field like it's it's incredible the kind of advances that are taking place, and what we've aimed to do, I suppose, is there's there's three of us now. I brought in a, a co- two co-founders. One is a technology guy, Rahil, and the other guy is our operations guy, Tim. And what we've done is we've we've kind of combined the best of the online marketing, listing, pricing tools into one really easy to use platform, which is all being custom built. So when someone scans a barcode on our platform, either with their phone and their camera, or with a barcode scanner plugged into a laptop, we have a whole range of algorithms which get the unique number of that product and plug it into Amazon, eBay, ABE, books, a whole range of platforms. We basically crawl the internet to say, how much is this item selling for online? And then what we also do is we get a ton of other information about it. So if it's, say, it's a copy of Harry Potter, we'll say, okay, this book is selling for a tenner, but it's a hardback book and it weighs 800 grams and these are its dimensions, which we use to figure out how much it would cost to post the item as well. Mm -hmm. So we're able to get a lot of information to figure out how much we could potentially earn, but also how much it's going to cost to ship that thing to the customer.
0: Okay, so do you source... Do you get the books from charity shops yourselves physically and then bring them to an office? No.
1: So the great thing about this is there's no like physical touch point for us. So this is purely tech- technology. And what we right. do is there's three kind of steps to it. There's scan, shelve and ship. So we go into a charity shop and a charity shop says, hey, we're getting 200 books a week. We're getting a ton of DVDs and games. What we say is here's a, a, an app that you've, you're going to download on your phone. Or if you have a laptop or a computer, we'll give you a barcode scanner. And you basically scan every item that comes into your shop. And we tell you what the value of it is. The stuff that's valuable or the stuff we know is going to sell really fast, you store that in your shop. And when it sells, we tell you that that item is sold and where it's sold to. And then the courier comes, once it's sold, picks the item up and brings it to the customer. Oh, okay.
0: That's how it works. Yeah.
1: So we have an integration with the couriers as well. The great thing for the for the charity shop manager is they never have to leave the shop. They don't have to go to post office. Yeah, they don't have to go and buy stamps. We even provide like the Triftify bags and everything, so that when an item sells, if they sell that Harry Potter book, they just pop it in a bag. They can print the label, or they can just simply write the address on a on a sticker, which we give them as well. Stick it on the bag, and then the courier comes and does the rest.
0: That's class. That's how it works. No, it all makes sense to me now. That's brilliant. And I guess when. Selling them, I remember seeing a post on your Facebook page at one point that you use. Like, what what happens when they need to be boxed up? You guys use recycled boxes or something like that.
1: Yeah, so we do we do two things. So it depends on the size of the order. So like some people, some some like what we're finding a lot of it actually is people are buying a ton of books. When we started, we were expecting people to buy one or two. So like some people were, got, but what what actually happened was people came on there buying like fifteen books. We are like, oh crap, like, <laughs> the stuff that, we, the, the packaging we have is all for single the items. Poor
0: Cory or Joe, like, yeah. like, carry, like, loads of stuff, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah just, like, it's mental. People, like, there was, one person bought 27 books the other day, and we are like, Jesus, like... Just bought everything in one go yeah. But it's because the price is so The price is so good It's so competitive Like because yeah, you're buying yeah, yeah. From charity shops So what we started with Was the first thing we have Is like we have uh, Compostable bags So we th- the shops don't have Enough packaging what we, what we aim to do Is be zero waste mm. So we have We use basically Reused packaging so we do we use reuse packaging as much as possible. And then when the reuse packaging runs out, we use compostable packing bags basically. So you can throw the bag when you're finished in your compost. That's or if you throw it in the bin. A lot of compost bags, they're kind of manipulative because they say they're compostable, but you actually have to add an additive yeah. for the plastic to compost yeah so it's like so we use a, 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 an act it's actually compostable okay. so if you just throw it in your black bin and it ends up in landfill like it actually will, it will compost. compost it doesn't yeah. need like some kind of chemical. no no
0: right okay that's good to know yeah in regards to like reusing the packaging like are one of you like collecting like loads of boxes or like how is that or
1: so no like... see the thing about charity shops is people give them so much stuff that they end up with all of this packaging Okay. So like people are donating boxes of books, clothes and all kinds of bags, boxes. So that what actually happens is the charity, a lot of charity shops are used, unfortunately, as kind of a dumping ground. Yeah. So people will say, oh geez, I don't want this anymore. And we'll just give it to the charity shop rather than having to pay 20 quid to give it in to the dump because they might get something for it but so the charity shops end up with a ton of packaging material Mm. so we basically just reuse all of that instead of purchasing more in as much as possible now there's a lot of times where like say for example like for example one of the shops using the technology sold a DVD recently for 103 euros and that would happen quite regularly like where they'd find something that's really valuable wow what was a DVD it was a 19 no it was a 2004 box set of Live Aid Oh, my
0: God, no way. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Right, I'd say the, the, whatchamacallit, the Freddie Mercury movie. Do you maybe. Think maybe Queen had something to do with that. Of course. I don't know. Oh, God, that's so I, I never think of
1: anyone buying a DVD for like 100, Yeah, 100 but we quid. regularly sell items for upwards of 100 quid. That's brilliant. But the thing about it is the charity shop then is a bit reticent to put that in an old stained packaging thing. Sure, okay. so, so at the same time as you want to be offering the most sustainable solution, there is an element of... God, we're actually sending something here that's worth a lot of money and we don't want anything to happen to it in the yeah. post. So you have to make sure at the same time that you're meeting people's expectations around yeah. buying stuff online.
0: That's completely fair. Now, obviously, these are all charity shops then that this, it's coming from, but you, you're obviously putting time. You've got two other guys, maybe more working with you. Like, how does the money side of things work? Because obviously, like, it's lo- like sounds like loads of it's going to charity, which is great, but like, how can you guys get... Paid for your time Yeah well like I mean there's
1: There's two kind of things So um, The first one is that Each So When someone buys something On the platform Obviously it comes into us First, And then we pass it on to the charity. So we take a commission on each sale that comes in. And I suppose we kind of have to do that really, because there's huge costs associated with the technology and everything. So as we scale, we're hoping that we'll be able to drive that commission down more and more until eventually it's it's hardly anything. Yeah. Um, and then the other side of it as well is we're also kind of trying to get ready to launch our own range of sustainable products. So to kind of Triftify a range of sustainable stuff. So one of our latest posts, which got a lot of traction, was a sustainable laptop bag made from cork, which oh, we've so prototyped. Yeah. Um. So we're actually still in kind of discussions with the manufacturer to try and get them made. We had we just had a lot of questions around the manufacturing process and stuff because. What we really want to become is the go-to source for if someone wants something, anything that's really sustainable, uh, sourced in the most ethical way and their money's going to fantastic projects that they know they can come to us and have that trust that, Jesus, yeah, these guys have really done their research yeah. um, and have a lot of faith in 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 the processes that we have that they're getting the best, most sustainable product. So we're still in the research phase for that first initial project product, which will be a, a cork so recycled cork uh, laptop case.
0: Uh, yeah, I saw your post. I actually, the very first podcast interview I had was with Fasco Carto, who runs a company called Cork Crafts based in Cork. He's from Portugal himself, but he. Because that's where like cork trees are kind of grown. It's live mm. li- livelihood for people over there. And he was talking about how it's made and like the difference between real cork and counterfeit cork, you know. Because a lot of, there's a lot of cheaper versions coming out now. Like, so you'll have to think, I'm actually thinking that will probably be, well, it'll probably be released by the time people hear this. But probably going to be the first episode, if not one of the first. So you'll have to give a listen to that. Like, it's. I found it so interesting. But yeah, cork is so... So sustainable, much better than like synthetic or leather. Like Mm. it's incomparable. So that, that'd be cool. And it's recycled cork as well. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Do you know where you're getting the recycled cork from? Is it like people's...
1: Yeah. So we've, well, so I don't want to give too much away because we're planning on doing a big launch around it. But there's two different options. One is to get the product manufactured itself. And the second is to get the material, the raw material imported to Ireland and have it made here. Okay. So... One of the other projects um, that I'm involved in is training migrant and refugee women in Ireland. So we're looking at the potential of actually having the product made by them in Ireland, which will make it even more sustainable and all kinds of things. So I don't want to give too much away. but okay, um, okay. And the other thing is, to be honest, we're not 100% of the way there yet around the manufacturing of it yet. But uh, no, we have the prototype, the pro- some prototypes made and um, some good feedback on it.
0: That's, that's fair it sounds really exciting yeah
1: but um, that'll be the other channel that we're going to use to, to kind of generate income will be our own range of, of products so we're looking at all kinds of stuff from mainly everyday essentials it's where we want to start like the whole luxury goods area of soaps and stuff is something yeah. we might look at as well but to begin with I think it's what we need to be able to transition to is everyday essentials things that we definitely need yeah. bought in the most sustainable way so yeah. whether that's your lunch boxes your accessories all that kind of stuff
0: that's class um, and I get like Twitch Fight is just the idea of, of it is really cool but that's kind of it's more for like consumers I know you do and like you're saying about like training migrant and refugee women that's brilliant you do a lot of community work under SEDCO I believe isn't it so yeah like, can you, yeah can you, Tell us a little bit about Sedco, like and kind of what you do. Like what, like Thriftify is one of the many, <laughs> the many things you're working on. One of your many ideas. Like. Yeah,
1: yeah. So the idea kind of behind Sedco is, uh, you know, a hub or a platform for new social projects and new social ideas. Um, so we have a couple of people working in the hub on different projects. Um, Triftify is obviously my the main thing I work on um, and Impact Events, the event management business. And then we have the project working with refugee and migrant women as well uh, in different direct provision centres, mainly in, in Dublin. And then I suppose, you know, one of the other things we'd lo- I'd love to get into in that whole space is just more community events around social enterprise so one of the things we were involved with last year was the an event series called the catalyst event series which was a whole range of people got behind it so social entrepreneurs ireland the social innovation fund community finance ireland and um, the social entrepreneurs social enterprise network and um, all kind of got behind for the first time a, a collaborative community networking event so we did four of those events last year and that went really well it was organized by another social enterprise called Connect the Dots and um, they did all the event management behind it and stuff so that went really well and I think we need more of that kind of stuff you know I think we need more events more community outreach more opportunities to meet more opportunities for people who are interested in this space just to come together you know and knock heads and see what comes out comes out of it
0: If there are people out there who are interested like what kind of people would you look for like for collaborating with and like how can people get involved
1: yeah so i mean the main thing at the moment especially around thriftify is we we are looking to kind of expand to more charity shops so we're working with the national council for the blind at the moment um who have 110 shops across ireland we're in about 12 of their stores at the moment and and scaling up quite quickly and we're in discussions with a couple of other charities as well to get into their stores but we're really looking to get into more charity shops and other, even other kind of social manufacturers people who are making the best, most sustainable, most ethical products if they're looking for somewhere to sell Um, We'd love for them to reach out to us and have a chat around, you know, selling on Triftify. And then anyone who's interested in reuse, sustainability, that kind of thing, like we'd love to kind of grow our community as well of people who are giving us advice on products they'd love to see. Like, is there a range of sustainable products you'd love or is there an event series you'd love to see take place? Um, So we're working towards kind of a, a series of different events, Triftify events around reuse, sustainability Social yeah. business, the whole space as well. So we'd love kind of, I'd love to hear what people are really interested in, what people want. Because, you know, I have a ton of ideas, but it's it's no point in me just satisfying yeah. my own selfish ideas yeah. for what I think would be great, you know.
0: For entrepreneurs out there, anyone might be interested, like, can they just approach you with like maybe an idea or something like it? And the SEDCO, kind of like a kind of a good platform. Yeah, definitely. Like yeah, with. yeah.
1: So we do a couple of things. We do um, we do a totally free kind of consultancy service. So if people have ideas that they're kind of we, we kind of people at the very early stage might not be suitable, but people who have maybe been working on idea an on idea have been thinking about it for a while. Maybe they have a business plan. Maybe they've just got up and running. Um, We do a free consultancy service where, if they want to reach out to us, we can sit down with them, brainstorm their ideas, or get specific, you know, work them on a specific challenge. Um, And then I suppose the main thing would be people who have more established social enterprises. If they're looking for a hub or for a kind of shared network to come and get more support, uh, take their business, their social enterprise to the next level, um, we kind of work with them and help them with that as well. Cool, yeah,
0: and if there's any investors out there, send them your way for yeah. all the hundreds of ideas that you have. That'd, yeah. really feel, it? <laughs> That'd be amazing. Um, what was going to say? Oh, yeah, the, I guess one final thing I guess to touch on before we go so, how can people? find you like you have a thriftify website and how else can people get in touch with you if they want to
1: um well thriftify.com or thriftify.ie is the easiest way to, to buy stuff from us um but then you know you can drop stuff into your local charity shop especially your local ncbi charity shop if you want to make sure your donations are getting the best bang for their book drop them into an ncbi shop
0: that's cool and do you actually shop, uh, ship abroad as yeah we well? ship all over the world yeah That is class And do people have to pay Shipping charges Like but it's Literally just Like obviously the more you get The heavier it is The more expensive it'll
1: be Yeah well we do um, If you're based in Ireland We'll give you free postage On any order above a tenner Oh Well there you go Which is pretty amazing value lads Because We have a a couple of thousand books Listed at 99 cents right Yeah So you can literally go on And buy 11 books For 10.98 And get free postage
0: There you go No excuse Amazing quality that's brilliant cool so cause I was talking to um, Avian McCann recently an actor and she is a she basically tries to live a sustainable kind of as close to zero waste possible but specifically in regards to like buying things because we're in a society she was very intelligently talking about we're in a society today where it's so much about what you buy and what you buy and for this like momentary happiness or whatever, and like, and how yeah. you know you shop for what's it called when you go shopping? Oh, and it makes you feel better. There's a word for An it. An Endorphin kick, maybe, oh, I don't know. Or, or you know, you go, you go, you go shopping, therapy shopping. No, what is it called? Oh no, I'm having a brain fart. But you go shopping, and it makes you feel better. Retail therapy. Retail therapy. That's it. <laughs> Thank you, God, there eventually. So you have a bit of retail, retail therapy. It makes you feel good. But then after a while, it kind of goes goes away, and then you have this thing that cost energy to make and it, you might not even want it anymore whether it be clothes or or i don't know something technology te- technology based or a book but yeah people can do that with sustainable items absolutely you know, they do that for a little bit like yeah, charity yeah shop items they don't need to feel like oh god i just shouldn't have bought that because your money went to charity and yeah. it costs absolutely nothing make and you can just like gift it
1: absolutely yeah and I mean I think the, the amazing thing about what we're seeing at the moment is the is the shift in the value system so instead of the value system being about luxury and purchase and wealth it's it's a more maybe enlightened value system of yeah. Our connectedness to the planet, uh, our sense of impact on one another and on society, which I think is amazing. Like, But the other thing about it is one of the things that we're, one of our real values is around gems and the impact a gem can have on you. So like we really value and promote the concept of buying a book and really investing in that book. Like there's nothing more amazing than when you find a book that is just absolutely breathtaking and you just can't put it down like we've coined the phrase drift flow which is when you're in that total flow of a gem and you just don't want to put it down whether it's an album or a movie mainly a book and you're just so engrossed in it that leaving it alone for even a fraction of a second you're just thinking about it all the time and if you think about it like it's an amazing break away from our social media addictions which we all have and it's a great way to kind of reconnect with the purpose of you know, a simple book instead of, you know, going and spending hundred quid on something that you're only going to wear once or yeah. use once.
0: Hundred percent. And I also, as I like, I'm trying to be as more eco-friendly as I can. And when the Kindles first came out, I was like, no, like I'm never going to use those because the smell and the feel of like a real book, like to me, nothing beats it. Like my Harry Potter books that I read growing up have this specific smell like that no no one else's harry books harry potter books have it's very strange but like i get there's definitely endorphins being released like when i'm re- like smelling books I, that might sound weird to people if you're not a reader but it happens and then you know it just feels nice to have the book but then obviously with kindles i was like oh god is this is a, it's it's probably better for the environment and especially with like all the eucalyptus trees that have grown in certain places that you know you do use technology but then there's also the kind of the impact that the battery has like yeah. of, of like kids mining for like those kind of materials and You'd stuff. You'd want to
1: be buying like a serious amount of books to offset the impact of a, of a Kindle. Do you think? Yeah, you're you're talking thousands of books. Like you're talking you know a couple of thousand books at least to get to the energy levels that it would be required for that kit for a bit, for that piece of technology especially with some of the materials that are used in the likes of a Kindle and in our smartphones and how they're sourced they're really super unethical
0: yeah um
1: but it might, but especially like if you're buying second hand books or buying books from charity like the impact of that is so so minimal, exactly. minimal as to be almost negligent really yeah. and especially when you consider the fact that the money you're spending on it is going towards positive social transformation you know it's it's totally negligent compared to supporting amazon
0: yeah no yeah i was just i was gonna say that like it can absolutely doesn't matter if you're pro kindle or pro books when you're buying from a charity shop it doesn't matter like they're already made they're already there like you're literally wasting no energy and supporting charity which is pretty cool awesome i think we've covered everything how people people can go on thriftify get their books there get their dvds their Live Aid versions for over 100 kid. I can't get over that. And then soon you're going to have... Oh, you already do have the laptop cases, do you? Not yet. Not yet, okay. Not you yet. will have them soon. We
1: will, yeah. But we have a whole range of other stuff. Like we saw the chin-up bar this week and we've... <laughs> all kinds of stuff, yeah. PC games and console games and, and all kinds of stuff, yeah.
0: Cool, that's class. And I'll link all of your, your website and all your social media platforms in the show notes so people can find you and... I presume, have you got an email? If yeah,
1: info in info at triftify.ie or on Instagram at triftify, Facebook, Twitter. Same,
0: perfect. Thank you so much, Ronan. It's been a pleasure. I'll see you, see you soon. I'm sure.
1: See you soon.
0: There you go, guys. That was Ronan O'Dalig. I hope you enjoyed that. To remind you of the discount code, I let you guys know about that at the start. If you stick in falture 20 so that's a capital F and lowercase a i l t e two zero, stick that in to the voucher code bar in Thriftify at checkout, and you'll get 20% off your order. So if you want to go find, a, I don't know, secondhand books for college or school or for birthday presents or just treat yourself, treat yourself to a DVD of Live Aid, why not? You can go find those on Thriftify and get them delivered to you. So I'm so happy to hear how it works. It's just so cool. And of course, any social entrepreneurs out there who wants to help Ronan with one of his many ideas or you have an idea of your own, you can click into SEDCO. I have that linked in the show notes and all the other initiatives he mentioned, I have them linked here as well. So make sure you give those a follow. Thank you all so much for listening. I won't keep you guys any longer. I hope you're having a wonderful June. And enjoy the weather and don't forget to keep pressuring the Dáil to pass their next bill. We're trying to get the Dáil, which is the Irish government for our abroad listeners. We're trying to get them to pass this bill, which basically would ban further drilling contracts being approved or signed. I don't know, whichever the word is. So basically it would practically end drilling for oil off the coast of Ireland and in Ireland which will be great and we really need to keep the pressure on them because it looks like they're really messing around to put it politely, Finnegale is so please keep the pressure on keep an eye on Stop Climate Chaos and Climate Case Ireland for updates on that and of course Extinction Rebellion and I've got some really cool episodes coming up for you guys, I've been doing some really cool interviews, if you've been keeping an eye on our Instagram you will see that so yeah give us a follow on Instagram Twitter Facebook and we have our website as well you can check out all the show notes on that as well podcast.com and share with your friends yeah I think that's all guys enjoy june and get some nice walks out there while the weather is good for our northern hemisphere people and for our southern hemisphere people i hope winter is treating you nicely and have a lovely day night afternoon whatever time you're listening to this and don't forget to subscribe and rate and review all that lark thank you so much guys i'll talk to you in two weeks see you then